Awareness, the final frontier. These are the explorations of Jonathan Robinson and Brian Tom O'Connor. Their continuing mission, to discover fresh new paths to the mystery within, to seek out new joys and new methods of awakening, to boldly go into the heart of expanded consciousness. This is Awareness Explorers. Well, welcome, fellow Awareness Explorers. Great to have you. We have a special guest explorer today that I'm excited to introduce, and his name is Michael Leiden. He is a realization process teacher. Realization process is a non-dual embodied meditation process that I think is great. And Brian just got introduced to it. And Michael's here to answer all our interrogation questions about uh, this. And uh, before I introduce him, let me just uh, ask Brian, how the heck are you? I'm great, Jonathan, considering all the craziness that's going on right now. I'm healthy and relatively sane. Which is, which is not easy to do nowadays. And hopefully our fellow listeners are also making use of meditations and our podcast as a way of staying sane during these challenging times. And I'm doing really well, actually. Uh, uh, pandemics seem to work for me. I get to stay home and do less stuff. And it actually uh, is, is a pretty easy time for me, although I feel for all the people who are having a hard time now. But let's uh, get into it. Um, as I said, Michael Leiden is a realization process teacher. You can find out more about him and his work at realizationconsulting.com. And I had the good pleasure to take a class from Michael recently, which I thought was great, and invited him onto the show to talk about this great method and approach to awakening. So welcome, Michael, to Awareness Explorers. Thank you, Jonathan, and thank you, Brian, for having me on here. And uh, I, I appreciate your feedback, Jonathan, with regard to that class. Yeah, I, I've I've been doing this uh, as a realization process teacher. I don't know for just for the past few years, just uh, with my own practice. Well, for those who don't know anything about the process or or the background, can you give us a brief summary as to what it is and what it's trying to achieve? Yes. So the realization process is, I would describe it as a body-focused pathway for spiritual awakening and psychological healing. And it was something that was formulated and still refined. The techniques are still you know, being refined here and there by uh, Judith Blackstone, who um, is a uh, retired clinical psychotherapist. And also uh, she'd studied many forms of body work and meditation. And my understanding is that realization process really came out of her own uh, journey towards healing. She's somebody who is just very attuned to subtle energy. Uh, I think you know a bit of an outlier in terms of how just uh, how how sensitive she was to you know subtle vibrations and um, different energies or qualities of consciousness and spiritual types of experiences and that that sort of thing. And she also had this um, you know her experience with bodywork and psychotherapy. And had had and different meditation schools and had sort of taken the gems of all of those things and put them in, together into one thing. Um, I, I think that's a good description of of what it is. What I found 
Uh, and I'm no expert in this, but I've taken your class and I've read a couple of Judith's books. It seems to be like the best of various techniques, maybe 10 that I'm aware of, of really trying to get people into their body in a way that opens them up to non-dual awareness. Yeah. So, right. And, and um, when I found the realization process, I had done a lot of subtle energy work, but I, I found that something about these embodiment techniques were different because mm -hmm. there was a depth of some of these experiences that were deeper than energy as pulsation and flow. We could say that we're tapping into what I would describe as steady state qualities of being that are related to our authentic self. By authentic self, I mean our sense of being as it feels continuous with being one with all that is, or one with the ground of being. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so it, when we talk about non-duality, right? Um, sometimes people talk about non-duality and they'll, they'll go like this, you know, they'll make a movement around their head kind of like this, talking about expanded awareness, which is absolutely one of the ways which we can experience non-duality or experience the ground of being as this um, spacious awareness. Um, and that's, that in and of itself can be a powerful healing factor because we can get, we can get space from all of our issues, a higher perspective or a deeper perspective and so forth. Um, and so, but if, if we want to talk about the ground of, of being, um, classically, and we could say also phenomenologically, we can, we can feel it as something that's stillness, transparency, emptiness, luminosity, right? On the mm -hmm. one side, and then the other side, it's, uh, presence or beingness, beingness, presence, aliveness. And my sense is that in order to fully experience that aliveness dimension of non-duality, it would make sense that we would be able to feel present through the instrument of our aliveness, which is our body mm -hmm. and our, our energies and, you know, the, the whole mind-body system. I think that's excellent to hear because, you know, I, I, a lot of people report in various non-dual circles a, 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 a case where they're starting to feel sort of um, flat and uninvolved yeah. and, and dry. And, um, you know, it, it seems to me that um, there's a kind of a mysterious power of simply sending our attention to the inner sense of our body that that seems to awaken something that's sort of deep and beyond concepts and that might be able to help with that sort of sense of flatness. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that once a person sort of finds that spaciousness or that, um, that, that sense of non-duality experienced as awareness, then you know, we can also experience that as emotion and as physical sensation. There's almost like, a, you know, we can, so by emotion, one of the ways that we can feel that as, as love or as bliss, um, those types of qualities. And that, that adds a richness to it. And it's a richness that we can feel through the middle part of our body in addition to the expandedness up here. And when we can also feel into it as a kind of a palpable sensory quality as well, and we can feel that more down through, you know, our, our pelvis and the lower part of our body um, as this, but we can feel it also through our whole body at the same time. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's an enrichment that can happen when it gets into the, the senses. You know, one of the things I liked about uh, your class and the guided meditations you led is 
this idea that you're kind of tuning into different elements of this energy. So one of the, the class I think we took was something about love, light, and bliss. Yes. And you would kind of almost like a radio you say, okay, well, tune into the light element of how this part of your body feels or tune into the bliss element to the love element. And I found that once I was really in my body, that those were different flavors that were available to me and, and very enjoyable flavors. And before I was more tuning into just the sensory element, but you can kind of learn to tune into these different aspects of the energy. It's kind of like they're all there, but previously I was, I was only seeing one color of the palette and now it's more broad. Yeah. Right. And, um, just like, and this is, this is an analogy that I picked up from Judith, but it's kind of like the ocean, you know, the ocean has, the ocean is one thing. It has different qualities. It's, mm -hmm. uh, kind of, it's wet, it's wavy, it's salty. It's, you know, this, that, and the other, but it's, it's one thing and we can experience it in these different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I found that really, uh, enlivening and opening another distinction that I found really helpful was the the difference between being aware of a part of my body and being aware in a part of my body yes yeah can you talk about that sure actually well if if, if uh we can engage the, the the audience a little bit here mm -hmm. we can engage your listeners we can actually do a little exercise if you want to just demonstrate this okay cool so um we can, we can start by just coming to sit up and Becoming aware of our hands. If you want to close your eyes, you can. You don't have to. Just becoming aware of our hands. Your hands don't have to be in any special position. But we're just being aware of our hands. Might feel different sensations. Okay. Yeah, good. Okay. Second part of this exercise. Now come into your hands such that you feel that you're living inside your hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. So, for those who are listening or watching this recording, if you're having any issues coming into your hands or feeling present through your hands, what you can do is very gently feel into how you would focus through your hands if they were to generate light. How would we focus into our hands? such that they would generate a soft tone of light.
Maybe we can even feel that we're made of light in our hands. That our sense of presence is a type of light that we can feel through the internal space of our hands. Okay. And so let's come back. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, but Brian, I don't know if you've done this exercise before, so can we, can we talk about it a little bit? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so what was your sense? I don't mean to put you on the spot here too much, but what, what was your sense of the difference between, uh, the, the first part where you are aware of your hands versus when you're present through your hands? Oh, a huge difference. I, I really, <clears throat> I really love that. Uh, when I was just aware of my hands, it, it was sending my attention to my hands did focus, um, pretty well. And I started noticing sensations. But when I was really inside my hands, I felt that the set, the, the center of awareness had shifted. In other words, it wasn't sort of me noticing my hands. It was me being my hands, being inside them. It's a little bit hard to put into words because the feeling for me is very, very nonverbal, but quite distinct, very pleasurable, kind of, kind of thick and rich and syrupy as opposed to sort of distant and analytical. Yes, right. So, so in the beginning, you could kind of feel that distance, being aware of versus being, we could say, being aware of versus being aware as. Yes, absolutely. And and um, it, it also, uh, Locke Kelly has a has a similar exercise where we are being aware from different parts of our body, and I found that um, that extremely freeing because we start to loosen that idea that there is this center that's fixed, the center of awareness that's fixed. Right. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, it's the difference between um, being in my head and uh, trying to attend to my hands and being in my hands. Yes. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. One is, one is uh, third person. One is first person. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, so I, hopefully that for for the for the listeners out there that will demonstrate the difference between <laughs> you know between just being being aware or being aware of and being aware as or being aware from within the internal space of our body. I think that distinction can be one of the most powerful distinctions a person can make on the road to consciousness. And it's not something that really is discussed that they are two very different experiences and being aware in your body or from your body versus being aware from your head of your body are very different states of consciousness. Embodying involves the set, you know, being aware in your body. And, and that's really the beginning of using the body as an instrument of aliveness. That, right. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And, Jonathan, I, I know that you're a clinical psychotherapist or I, I, mm -hmm. are you, you're still, you're still a cl practicing clinical yeah. psychotherapist. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. So you, so, and, uh, Brian, you used to be 
uh, an actor, correct? Or are you, are you still acting? That's right. And I'm still, uh, st I'm uh, now a, a singer, a uh, sort of musical comedy cabaret singer. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Totally so... the opposite of a clinical therapist, although there are some things in common. Yes. Well, um, in both therapy and the performing arts, <laughs> um, our, we're using our body as an instrument of, of our, uh, of our emotions, right? Or we're, we're kind of working with the body as an instrument of emotion. Right. Um, and in somatic psychotherapy, it's been known for a long time that the body is, uh, a, is a registry for our whole life experience and also our unconscious mind. And so when we're doing the, the body focused work, a lot of times we bump into things that we might otherwise not be aware of. Um, when we're, when we're feeling through the internal space of our body, we might, if let's say we're doing this type of uh, attunement work, we, we might tune, attune to different types of presence or love or different qualities. Um, sometimes people will do that and they'll kind of bump into something. Oh, huh. I can, I feel kind of uncomfortable with this, you know, in this area. And then little by little that can, you know, that can be the gateway towards healing something. And, and in one of your classes, you used, uh, talked about when you bump into that, releasing it or how to go about releasing it, which is really, say, a, a somatic type of psychotherapy. Yeah, yeah, those, those types of techniques would definitely be part of uh, somatic psychotherapy. Um, and you know, realization process can be, can be used that way. And yeah, absolutely. To provoke deep healings for sure. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what that process is like? Uh, sure. I, I guess we're talking about like release the release technique within the realization process. Yeah. 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 So trauma and the unbound body, um, uh, is Judith's newest book on this. But in chapter eight, she gives a good deal of attention to the release technique. And basically what I found when I went through the training on this, I was like, it has to be more complicated than this. It can't be this simple, <laughs> right? Um, because all we were doing was focusing into the constriction, allowing it to tighten, and then releasing our focus, allowing the constriction to release. So when she started describing it, I was like, this, this just sounds way too simple. But the nuance here is that when we go through difficult life experiences, our, our whole mind-body system organizes itself along a certain shape and pathway. And we could say there's a pathway of, uh, of uh, the, the, the fascia or like the soft tissue in our body that goes into a certain constriction. And there's the experience that we're trying to protect ourselves from or, or a feeling that we're trying to hold in after that point. And a lot of this happens just unconsciously. But as we get older and we start to work on these different pain points, uh, we can start to feel like, oh, yeah, there's a constriction there. And if we pay attention, we can actually feel the kind of shape and organization of it. And it's like if you think of a piece of fabric going into a twist, right? There was a physical thing that happened that made the fabric go into a twist. And so all we do is we follow the shape and kind of the – you follow the constriction and – allow it to release along the same pathway. That's all it is. Although there's, there's nuance and complexity there as well and depth, but that's the essence of it. There was a certain pathway along which we were wounded and there's a shape of the way that that pathway takes hold in our body. 
And we're just following that same pathway and allowing the pain that's there to be released along the same pathway. I, I love the simplicity of it. I'm wondering if you could say a little bit more about the, because when you presented it before, it was kind of a two-step process. Mm -hmm. I got I got the step about, you know, focusing on it and feeling into the uh, contraction, so to speak. But say more about the what allows it to release. Yeah, so my sense of this is that there's something like um all right so let's let's all let's all do another little exercise here okay i can always demonstrate things a little bit better with exercises okay, and this is for the audience as well um so let's all in a so a trigger warning here i'm going to traumatize everybody just just a little bit <laughs> but it's just enough to be instructive okay so let's all think the thought i need to be perfect and let's just really f feel into the intent of that thought of I need to be perfect. Okay. And so, yeah, we might feel that even though this is uh, something that is maybe even biased a little towards more the, towards the positive in terms of the value system of our culture, needing to be perfect or needing to be good, needing to be this, that, and the other, these, these things that are um, considered positive in certain ways, right? We can feel how harsh that actually is on our mind-body system. So let's, let's let that thought go, or that directive go about needing to be perfect. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So the idea here is that there's, I think that what holds, so there's the question of uh, what is held, right? Which is emotional content, memory, meaning, feeling. That's all held in the body in these areas of constriction, what some people call energy blocks, right? That's what's held. And then there's a the question of what's doing the holding. And my sense of that is it is that it's it's volition. There's whether it's the degree to which that it's conscious or unconscious varies, but it might be a volition or purpose that we have that's protective. It might be something uh, we, that we, we need to um, stay connected to let's say our family of origins by mirroring them in certain ways. It might be nurture or lack thereof. Maybe we were uh, rewarded for being smart, but we weren't nurtured for our emotional sensitivity. Um, it might be. Well, really you don't need, you don't really need to know because all you, all you really need to know is that there's some holding or some, something going on. Uh, the reason I say that is because while you were discussing this, um, your cat was on your lap and, and I was saying, I, you know, I need to be perfect. And I realized when the cat was showing up, there was a little bit of tension. I need this podcast to be perfect. Oh, yeah. So I, I was, <laughs> I was feeling just a little bit of what you're talking about. And I don't really need to know where that came from psychologically. But in that moment, there was a tension. Yeah. And by focusing on the attention, I, that, that tension, uh, by giving the tension attention, so yes. to speak, um, it it became more aware, and then I was able to release it because I realized it doesn't need to be there. There's no reason it has to be there. Right. Yeah. Right. And and some things that are, let's say, more um, 
that are that are not as deep or pervasive, we can have just a moment like, oh, okay, well, this this is actually okay. You know, the cat's all right. She's she'll be okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe it'll even increase viewership. Um, <laughs> now that there's a cat. <laughs> the internet seems to really be fond of cats. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but for things that are deeper and more pervasive, then it can be important to feel into what the purpose is there. So, for instance, like um, uh, for I'll just give my own example. Um, when I was at this training, I kept having this sense of like rightness, like needing to do things right. And um, there was somebody that had had like a, a, a something with poison ivy. And I was like, shoot, I don't have a first aid kit. I couldn't do anything for them. And uh, but this was like this was something a little extra. There was some real anxiety around this. And there was kind of like a, a harshness or what I would call like a, a sharp edge thought to this needing to do things right and be right and that mm. sort of thing. And when we were doing the release technique, I could start to feel all this sadness that was coming up from deep within. And I could even feel it you know, moving up through my body. And I realized that this needing to do things, quote unquote, right, I was trying to be close with somebody unconsciously. I was that was carrying out the purpose mm -hmm. of being close with somebody emotionally with whom that was the only way that I could, I felt I could be emotionally close with them by, by mirroring their, let's say, moral attitude towards the world. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I would not have known that <laughs> if not for that, um, you know, feeling into the, that, that pocket of uh, constriction in the body. So by realizing that, did it automatically start to release or was there something that you did in that moment to help it release? I feel like there is something like a pancake. There's like a, you know, you could look at it sort of like a layer cake and the, 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 the tightness of the constriction and the discomfort there, um, sort of feels like, you know, an emotional and spiritual UTI, right? There's a discomfort. Um, mm -hmm. and so, you know, once you start to, in my experience, once we start to feel into the constriction, that's the first layer of it, it's the discomfort. And then you release a little bit. You go in, you release a bit more, and it gets more subtle. And the, the physical aspect or discomfort of it gets more subtle. And then there's emotional content that seems to reveal itself. And uh -huh. we can feel what it is that we're trying to uh, protect or what it is that we're trying to, what experience we're trying to keep out, what experience we're trying to not have or preserve in some way. You know? Right. Um, and then and then there's the, the realization of like, the purpose, you know, the, mm -hmm. the purposefulness behind that holding. Um, it's like this, right? If we're doing meditation and let's say in the advanced attunement to fundamental consciousness, there's the um, attunement to our quality of gender and through our, through our pelvic, uh, through our, our pelvis. And so let's say that every time somebody gets to that, to get, gets to that attunement, it's like they can, uh, they kind of have that type of experience. Like they're just uncomfortable all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And if they felt more deeply into that, they might feel a reflexive kind of shutting down of that quality. And if they pay attention more deeply, they might feel the purpose for which they're shutting that quality down. For some, for somebody, it might be, uh, I mean, if it's, if it's something quite deep, it might be like, I don't want to be, um, you know, sexually visible to this, to this type of person or that type of person. Right? Mm -hmm. That might be the purpose that's being held there. And then once that becomes known, the person can work with it more deeply. Yeah, that makes sense. And when you are going from the 
awareness of the tension to the releasing aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I think you mentioned one time that you're kind of just like letting go into your beingness or how did you describe that? Um, yeah. So, uh, what it would be is like you know, focusing into the constriction. And when we do that, by the way, so as I'm describing this technique, I'm not advising that anybody do this as I'm describing it. I'm just describing it. And mm -hmm. um, there's always, especially when we're doing work that might bump into trauma, um, there's always the consideration of resourcing or making sure that we're in a good space to, to do this first before we do this. So I'm just describing the technique. I'm not advising that anybody try this as I'm describing it, but I'm just describing the kind of the method of it. Mm -hmm. So focusing into the constriction, just, uh, just by focusing into a constriction, we can notice that seemingly it, it spontaneously constricts a little bit further. And so we can hold our focus there for a minute and then when we release our focus, if that's what you're referring to, mm -hmm. um, what we're doing is just sort of like relaxing back. You know, that's, that's my sense of it. We're just kind of relaxing back in our body or we can attune to the quality of love and acceptance and as a way to deepen the sense of release. And as we release, it's almost like, um, you know, uh, trapped air or like some of the, you know, some of the dry ice that lives there gets to sort of, um, melt away a little bit and, that whatever the constriction or holding pattern is, the, the emotion and feeling that's there gets to breathe a bit. Um, and then, you know, and it's, it's a very organic thing in the way that it unpacks. Yeah. That's a great but, description. Thank you. <laughs> Brian, you're more new to this. Anything that comes up to you that you want to ask? Sure. I, I have a, I have a couple of questions and an observation. Maybe I'll start with the observation. Uh, Jonathan, you were kind enough to send me a sample of some of uh, Michael's exercises. And <clears throat> the first time I listened to them, I realized that uh, my mind was being literal and it was being... Um, a little bit obstinate. And so you would say things like experience your feet as made of light. And I would say, well, I'm, I'm actually not experiencing my feet as made of light. And then that night, I had this dream. And in the dream, I was doing your exercises and my whole body was just vibrating and glowing and just filled with a kind of an unnameable present. So I said, let's go back to this again. And then I remembered what I, in my own awareness games teaching, I say, you know, you don't have to believe any of this is true. In fact, you even, even if all you're doing is imagining that it is so. And I went back and I, and I just imagined my feet were made of light. I, I just said, okay, I'm not going to tell myself any of this is true. I'm going to say, what if it were? And it was like night and day. And I experienced the same exercise. So I felt deeply and embodied. And I felt that, uh, that I was experiencing existence in my body in a whole new, deeper, fuller, richer way. So it, it was really, it was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's wonderful. I am I've got to say I am peanut butter and jealous about that dream. <laughs> <laughs>
well, that's that's nice. Uh, maybe I'll send it to you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, but, that sounds wonderful. Um, I, I, although this is sort of in a t another direction here a little bit, but yeah, if if we become lucid in our dreams, absolutely, we can continue to do some of these exercises. Um, there's not a, a discussion and realization process about dream yoga or things like that. But certainly, <laughs> if that's something that we can do, then yeah, absolutely. Well, it was the next day after I woke up that I went back to it. It was the dream that just said, try it again, because yeah. you may go deeper. <clears throat> yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> about, the, Im about the imagination, I, 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 do, I mean... Basically, I was sort of applying my own spin to it, but I felt I got to the same place you were you were heading towards. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. So let let's see if we can find a difference here, and uh, and just just to experiment. Um, so let's feel our presence. You can feel it in your hands or through your whole body, whatever you prefer. And let's see if we can feel a kind of radiance in this presence. Even if we only feel that radiance by a few percent or to whatever degree we feel it. Yeah, so we have a feeling of radiance. Can we open what feels like a deep part of the mind or open a deep threshold in our awareness such that we can open to a kind of almost sightless visual sense of this radiance so that we're see-feeling this radiant presence as a form of light. So in this case, it's something that we're just opening ourselves to. And if it helps, you can find the center of your head between your ears and feel that there's something like an eye of the mind that's opening here. There's something like an inner eye that opens to this luminosity. We do this, we might even feel an opening through the whole core of our body as we open this inner vision of the mind or a kind of sightless visual sense of awareness. Okay, and let's come back. How was that? I loved it. Excellent. Okay. 
<laughs> it was rich. It was, I, I felt, I felt guided there. I'm not sure what that means, but. Yeah. Well, that could be our guided meditation. <laughs> Is, uh, I felt that too. I'm wondering, uh, Michael or, or Brian, if either you have any last questions or comments that you want to make that haven't uh, already been touched upon. I do, actually. Um, I, I wanted to circle back a little bit to some some of the things you alluded to earlier, because when we think of of the name, the realization process, we want to know, well, what is it exactly that's being realized? And you talked about the ground of being and non-dual awareness. So I was wondering if you might be able to give a sort of a high-level view of how the process leads to that realization and what that realization specifically is. Sure. So my three-sentence summary of the realization process is this. There is a domain of being that's at once the ground of being, but also a continuity that we feel through our own sense of presence, our authentic self. And this ground of being, or this domain of our authentic self, has never been wounded and can't be wounded. And that's something that we can feel. It's palpable, right? It's an experience that we can have. When we attune to that domain of being, we awaken and heal at the same time. So, what do we awaken to? We could say that consciousness awakens to itself. So, yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Um, I feel like, yeah, we could think about just different domains, uh, subdomains of being that become more enlivened and that become kind of more filled out or matured um, and, you know, s stabilized in this deep sense of uh, balance, love, um, deep awareness, a kind of stability. Yeah. Those um, qualities that you described are, seem to be the qualities of the ground of being itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, Okay. And is there a second part to that statement? <laughs> no, no. Okay. That was just a comment along the way. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and, and so, um, yeah, within, I, I guess we could, one way of languaging it would be something like this. And this is just, this is just my sense of it. That um, if we think about the, we, we can feel this ground of being that feels perfectly balanced, never been wounded, can't be wounded, et cetera, et cetera. We can feel that substrate underneath everything. And so when we allow ourselves to feel into different areas of our being and attune to that substrate or some quality of it at the same time, there's almost like a spiritual chiropractic that happens that just sets different parts of ourselves into alignment. And that's how I like to think about realization process or any, any deep spiritual work for that matter. You know, uh, we're kind of um, setting these, helping these parts of ourselves. Well, this is just me. 
my sense of it is that we're doing some sort of partnership with the divine. You know, I don't know if that's okay to say on this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> no, you'll be banished to hell forever for okay. that. <laughs> but we're, no, we're... I, I love that metaphor, uh, Michael. I, and I do, I, I also like the metaphor of the spiritual chiropractic that, uh, call it God beingness is the chiropractor and you are allowing yourself to be in that cauldron and things get healed as a result. Um, I get that for sure. And, and I like those metaphors and, you know, um, for our listeners, you know, we're just touching the surface of the realization process. What I like about it because I'm an experience and method junkie is that, you know, a lot of embodied practices just have like one or two distinctions, you know, feel your body or something. But in the realization process, I found that there were a lot of distinctions, a lot of methods, mm -hmm. some of which we touched upon here, and that they are tools to play with and see what works for you. You know, um, there was a couple of things in the class I took with Michael that yeah, that doesn't really work for me so much. And then there'd be, he'd say, try this. And I'd go, wow, you know, everybody should try that one. Uh, so uh, I like it when, when a system provides a lot of different approaches and allows you to see what works for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like that as well. I mean, and I thought that I was a pretty, pretty, tough not to crack in terms of just all the suffering that I felt that I was going through in my, in my twenties and early thirties. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, having a, a lot of this, a lot of the work of, um, deepening our, our contemplative development and our, our own self healing is learning good tricks. Yeah. That's yeah. frankly a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been great. I, I'm wondering, um, Brian, do we need to do another meditation or, or uh, should well, we use the ones that we had? We could use the ones that we have, unless, Michael, you have another one up your sleeve that you'd like to share. It's really up to you, yeah. I think we've got it. We covered a few. Yeah, we I, did. We I did. Could absolutely, <laughs> I could absolutely edit those together as our meditation, because usually I excerpt them as well. And I could take them and edit them together. Okay. Yeah. That's, that seems, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That sounds All great. Right. Um, so I want to let people know how I get hold of you. You're at realizationconsulting.com. Yep. One of the things I liked about your website is that you actually have some short meditations on there and some free resources as well as the classes you teach. And, and Judith Blackstone has a bunch of books as well, the founder. Yes. She, yeah. Judith has a number of, uh, yeah, uh, obviously foundational books on, on the realization process. Um, and if people want some of those, um, like a good collection of those, those pointers, techniques, and, um, just to get, get some experience in the realization process, I would strongly recommend the, uh, sounds true audio program, which mm -hmm. is just called the realization process. Mm hmm. Great. Anything else you want to add before we do our, we normally do our blah, 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 which is, you know, uh, tell your friends and family about awarenessexplorers.com, lots of meditations. We have a donate button, all that stuff. Uh, but anything you want to add as well? 
I, you know what? There is one more thing that had come to mind before, but it, it, it slipped away, but now I'm just remembering it. Mm-hmm. That one of the ways that we can think about non-duality that I found quite helpful is to have a non-adversarial relationship with any aspect of our experience. Because mm-hmm. if we're assuming that all of this stems from the divine, that there's, you know, the divine in each of us and there's the divine in, you know, uh, all of, all of matter and all of plant life and animal life, et cetera, et cetera. It's also in our experience, you know, as, um, is you could say that if we, <laughs> if we're suffering, then it's some, it's some aspect of that fundamental energy that's just a little bit skewed away from balance. And if we, you know, if we do some of this work, then we can bring ourselves back into alignment. But I feel like that non-adversarial tone towards any aspect of our experience, that's, that's important because sometimes when people bump into a, when we're in the non-dual milieu and we bump into a pain point, we're just like, oh, how do I just meditate on this until it goes away? Or, um, how do I get rid of Satan? Oh, did I say Satan? I meant my narrative self. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, anyway, so um, yeah, that's all I, I want to say. Well, no, I, so, I, I like that a lot. Uh, go on, Brian. <laughs> I'm so glad you you brought up that last point. It's 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 really excellent and and important for us to remember. And um, I'm also so glad that you mentioned you were a a hard nut to crack because uh, so was I, and I think many listeners might feel that way and uh and yeah. then just again thank you for your your presence and your eloquence and and your techniques and insights uh, yeah no it might it's been such a pleasure i really appreciate you uh, you know host uh, having me on the podcast here so um yeah is there is there anything i can say to like plug the podcast <laughs> tell your friends and family uh you know by having people who are exploring with you, mm-hmm. as you know, it really accelerates our own our own progression. Yeah. And you know, I really appreciate we get you and I got a chance to explore some stuff together mm-hmm. uh, on a phone call, and and really we walk each other home. So that's what this is all about. And yeah, I really appreciate Amen. how much you've uh, you've put out what you know and have helped me and other people. So thank you. And we always tell our listeners at the end, the most important thing is always to keep exploring. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Keep exploring. And this is great that you guys put all this out there for free and to get, just to get people exposed to this. It's really great. So thank you for the work that you do. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us and keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And we'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends. Because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.